Welcome everybody. This is What Would It Cost Florida with your host, Niels Decker. And today, put on your seatbelt, take off that 2x mode or 1.5x mode because you're going to want to slow down this conversation. I'm telling you, the nuggets are going to fly at you. We're here with our special guest, Daniel G. Welcome. Yeah, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. So yeah, I was doing a little bit of a look, like Nick's talked about you, and I was like, I'm super proud. This is amazing. World-class sales, sales agency, agency yeah, yeah. Is, is the company. It's one of my companies, and then I have world-class sales university, another company, and then uh, we. I have a whole like horizontal of like world-class brands underneath them. Like I have a marketing company underneath it. I have a tech product now that we just developed underneath it for salespeople. What I wanted to start with is, and what I always find very interesting when I when you see sales figures out there, you know, and I like speaking about patterns. Yeah. What are what are patterns? And you might be familiar with this, but speak a bit about your background and perhaps patterns you awesome patterns you grew into, mm. or patterns that you had to you identified had to break and then grow through and and explode to where you are today. Yeah, I mean, so for for sales in general, I think the first thing is always this: it's like you know your first pattern is you're never programmed to be good at sales. Right. So it's like, it's the first thing. It's like, you know, everybody comes into sales and everybody falls back into it. So the first pattern is you have to reprogram yourself to train yourself as if you were to take sales as if it was a profession that you paid a hundred thousand dollars to get into. Because majority of people don't do well in sales because they treat it as if what the price they got paid into it. Cause a lot of people just fall into it. They don't pay much to get inside of sales, whether you just land a job and you start getting paid for it, but you didn't pay like a hundred thousand dollars to become a doctor, lawyer, and engineer. That's why you see a lot of people get into, let's say, real estate, but they don't pay 150000 to get into real estate. Maybe you pay for your license, a little bit of testing, and that's it. But not a lot of people inside of real estate make a lot of money because they don't have the same attention and respect as you would if you became a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. So the first pattern is, I always say, you know, the way I trained myself was don't put sort of respect on what you paid to get inside, put respect on what the potential of the profession has to pay you out. And I've always, and I, that's, that's the way I had my belief. I started door to door sales when I was 14 years old. Uh, I, I didn't even know that I was in sales at the time. I was just working. My parents broke up and I started a door to door sales job. And, you know, I always had respect on the potential of what it could pay me at the end of the day. So when people were getting paid $5 an hour KFC or $10 an hour KFC, whatever the case was, I had respect knowing that this job could potentially pay me $500 at the end of the day, knocking on doors. So that's where my energy came through because I had respect on the opportunity, not on, the entry, because if you put respect on the entry, you're effed inside of sales, you know, majority of people. And there's now a lot of jobs that you, you can join a business for free. You can be open up a social media marketing company for free. You can become an affiliate for one of your services for free. So now because you didn't pay nothing to get in, it's kind of like, well, you know, if it works out, it works out. But a doctor ain't saying that a doctor's like, this is plan A and that's it. You know, yeah. an architect's like this is plan A and that's it. Yeah. And they're proud of it. And they work it as if it's a profession. So the first thing is, I think the pattern is, I always say when people, since there's a low cost to entry, usually in sales professions and even in businesses now, like businesses are super lean to open up. You know, it's not like before. You don't even need an office anymore. You can have employees that are virtual. You can find people that, you know, work for $3 an hour in, in different countries and you can outsource individuals and systems are getting a lot more lean and cheap and AI is coming out there, which eliminates so much human work and, eth and effort. So, it's like, think how easy it is for somebody to open up a business. 
but a lot of people won't succeed because now they're putting their attention based on what they paid to get inside. And it's nothing. Sometimes you, anybody can open up a business now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I have a lot of people, Oh, you know, uh, like th- think of individuals that get into college or university. Uh, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people pay a lot of money to get inside of college and university. Uh, still doesn't mean they're going to become successful, but they paid a lot of money and their attention follows the price that they paid to get inside. So that's the first thing I think, you know, the pattern of, uh, I think the first pattern is recognizing the opportunity of what your business or sales has. Uh, I'd say the second thing is, um, I think it boils down to discipline when you become a business owner, or when you come into sales, I think that's a trait that I've always just had. I wasn't the type of person to watch a podcast and be like, okay, I'm going to be a millionaire. That wasn't me. You know, I, I had work ethic. My, 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 my grandparents came from Sicily, Italy. So I grew up working with my grandparents 24 seven, both of my grandfathers. Um, and I think work ethic, when you look at work ethic, it's like, you know, ethics is kind of what you stand for inside of your life. So my standard was always working your ass off. Cause that's what my grandparents is, whether none knows that whatever the case was. So, uh, I seen, I never operated my business off of feelings. So it's another pattern that a lot of people that you see don't become successful inside a business. They operate their business off of feelings. Yeah. When you operate your business off feelings, majority of the time, you don't want to do the shit because yeah. you feel like you don't want to do it. Yeah. It's, so there's th- just the conversation of, are you in your feelings or what are you committed to? Yeah. Like feelings <laughs> are not a way to build your business. Cause yeah. if you're building your business off of feelings, then majority of the time you're not going to feel like doing shit. Yeah. Right. So I always, I always have a good, you know, sense of discipline inside of my business, whether or not. And I do that in every other area of my life. Like, you know, my fitness, uh, every area inside of my life, I have discipline. Um, and, and when you translate that back into sales, it's like, when you look at, when you look at salespeople, somebody can work hard one day, uh, they can be charismatic one day, but if they don't have the discipline to do it again the next day, their business falls apart. It's like the, the string that holds the business. Yeah, of course. Consistency. Yeah. And and speak, you know, and it's amazing to hear that from some some of the history and, and having family and roots, you know, talking about your non-an work ethic. You know, so talk a bit about your program. When you identify someone or how do you walk someone through that? doesn't necessarily have that background and what are your key indicators where you're like okay look this is where we're going to work on or what does that look like yeah i think the first thing is you can never hire you can never judge somebody from the resume inside of sales yeah and you never know who's going to be hungry when you bring them in like everybody can talk a big game but like you filter out hunger and desire on the back end so my whole thing was always like bring them in if they have some sort of characteristics that are green light checkpoints like you know you see some patience on an individual or you see some charisma on an individual etc bring them all in and then filter out hunger and desire on the back end. Because only until you assign something to somebody, you know if they actually really want to do it. Yeah. So it's like you can never prejudge somebody not thinking they're good enough or thinking they're way too good and you think they're going to be the best. Who knows? Maybe the person that you thought is going to be the best performer inside of a company ends up shitting the bed because they come in with an ego. And the person that you didn't think was going to work that was maybe the cashier at Starbucks that was begging for a job, they would never work out, but they end up crushing it because they were in a point in their life where they had a lot more pain and a lot more hunger and they end up doing well. It's the first thing. I think hunger in any business outweighs passion. I always say this 24 seven. I don't believe somebody needs to be passionate in order to make a lot of money. I do believe it's a cherry on top, but I don't think, you know, somebody needs to be passionate because if, if, if a lot of people chase about with their passion about, sometimes you could chase a whole lifetime and then not make money. Cause you're like, well, if I was passionate about some shit, I grew up DJing playing soccer like yourself, playing squash. So those were my three things I was passionate about. Ended up in none of those career fields because yeah. it wouldn't pay me a lot of money, yeah. as you know. Yeah. So 
I didn't chase what I was passionate about, number one. I chased my curiosities, what I think I could be good at. Because when you think you could be good at something, you start hunting for the answers. Yeah. Uh, and then the second thing, is, I always say, it's like my hunger always outweighed my passion. I was in door-to-door sales. I started off with a company in uh, Toronto, Canada. It was called Spring Masters Canada at the time. Now they're called Property Stars. Name changed. What what it was is they had a they had an aeration company. Do you know what aeration is? Yeah, it's poking holes in people's yeah. grass. Yeah. It looks like little pieces of shit coming important, up. By the way, yeah, yeah, and your grass it makes all the difference. And us Canadians <laughs> only know that. But yeah. when you talk about people that in warm countries, they're like, "What yeah. the fuck is aeration?" Yeah. So I was selling door to door aeration services at the age of fourteen, yeah. and I smashed this gig like automatically i'm like oh geez i'm good at this thing friday saturday and sunday i'm knocking on doors selling aeration 20 30 dollars a home poking holes in people's grass sick and and what i always go back to is when people are like oh you know i don't know if i'm passionate about this i'm like listen i wasn't freaking passionate about poking <laughs> holes in people's grass yeah i was broke yeah so like the hunger always outweighed what i was passionate yeah. about but i think as you go through certain things you know you have some sort of hunger and courage as you go through some some certain certain things you figure out what you like and what you don't like inside of life. But go back, because this is awesome, because you 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 went fast on it, but talk about pain and pleasure. Yeah. Because those are two big things. When someone's living in a world of pain, which which I'm hearing now is there'll be a drive, there'll be a hunger. And if they're not, like, you know, they're in a different world. So also on top of that, where can there be a shift? Is it then only until they hit sort of a rock bottom, or what has your experience been with people that you've, you know, that have been part of the uh, the agency? So I think in general, uh, pain will always motivate somebody more than pleasure. Yeah. Of course, you understand that. It's like you know, even in a physical aspect. Like imagine you had like a dog, a hula hoop, and a treat, and you say jump and go get the treat. Boom, dogs jumping goes to get the treat. Now you had a dog, a hula hoop, a treat, and I don't know, a fire that it's about to, you know, burn the dog's ass. Dogs jump in a thousand times quicker to get out and jump to get the treat. People will always try to move away from things rather than they will try to move towards things. Uh, and when you can understand that, that was important what I said, they will always try to move away. So somebody will try to get out of debt more than they'll try to get the Ferrari, right? They'll try to move away from pain before they even move to pleasure. They can't even go to the second step until they're like, well, let me get out of here first. Uh, and until you can understand, like I always say sales is a timing game, right? So it's like, you can never dictate when somebody's going to be weak inside of their life and buy your product. You don't know when that's about to happen, but the only thing that you can control is keep showing up and keep talking to people. Cause you don't know when people are about to tick. I always say people start peaking when they're weak inside of life. They start working a little bit harder when they're a little bit more weak. Everybody knows this, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, because that's when the pressure's on. Uh, and a flip, I was on a call last night. I said, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that move away from pain, they get to a point in a season side of your life where you're like, oh shit, I'm debt free now. Oh, okay. I have a surplus at the end of the month. You know, I don't have, you know, more month at the end of the money or whatever the case is. I'm not go under every single month. And I said, now what you have to do is you have to compress the goals that you have to add a little bit more urgency. So majority of people, like if I, if anybody's watching this right now, uh, and now you're in a point of your life where it's like, okay, you know, I'm comfortable. Well, go look at your, your year-end goal. If your year-end goal is a million dollars at the end of the year, what I would say is get that done before June 1st. Figure out a way. Yeah. Sure. Because what happens is when you cut the goal, when you compress time, what starts to happen is either A, you have to up the work ethic or B, you got to get a little bit more creative. There's only two things that happens. You work your ass off a little bit more, you get a little bit more creative. Because the time in which you you know set out to hit a goal, you'll take up that whole time after. So the only thing you can do to get a little bit more urgent is compress time. Like right now, for example... If I have to go at five o'clock to go record some courses, and I usually take about two hours to record my courses, I will take up those whole two hours with my camera guy. We'll shoot the shit, grab a bite to eat, talk a little bit, plan, blah, blah, blah. 
But then last week, I'm like, guys, we always take two hours in the studio for what? To do nothing. I, I record in 10 minutes when I'm on the camera. I'm in, I'm out, I'm gone. So I'm like, why don't we just go in there 15 minutes and leave? 15 minutes. Let's go 5 to 5.15. We get in the studio, we leave the studio, and we're gone. Instead of going 5 to 7, why do we have to book till 7 o'clock? We went in there 5 to 5.15. We got the job done, and we left within 15 minutes. I said, ah, isn't it funny how it, the time in which you give yourself to complete something, you will take up that whole time. So when somebody says, I want to make a million dollars at the end of the year, I'm like, yeah, you'll take up a, a year to hit a million dollars. Yeah. So it's huge to put the microscope on what actually doing. And, and when people are time blocking as well, really put the microscope on your time you think that it's going to take or actually just dissecting, do we need that two hours? Can we just do this at 15? Let's right, go. right. Majority of people could, by the way. Yeah. Majority of people yeah. are programmed to take up a full hour because that's your, you're programming your head. Look. Uh, a very unsuccessful person financially, let's just say financially, okay? Let's say financially unsuccessful. You will see them plan out their days, morning, afternoons, and nights. So if you go ask somebody, an average person on the street, they will say, so what are you doing this morning? Well, fuck, the morning's a big time. You got 6 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m. And which of those five, six hours are you talking about? Yeah. Then, yeah. then you got a other person that's saying, okay, what are you doing? What are you doing at seven o'clock? Okay, the person's a little bit more tight right? Yeah. Some people just plan out, hey, what are you doing Monday? And the average person sometimes will answer it. Yeah. Oh, you know, we're taking the kids to soccer. Shit, Monday's, you got 14 hours in the day at least, right? So I just say the most successful people in, in life, you know, are stringent about their minutes sometimes, even it's out of the life. So, so when you, I just say, if you shorten the goal, you heighten the urgency uh, inside of your business. And the other thing is this, I think, you know, if somebody's just starting off about business or if they're just starting off in sales, when you talked about time management, I think it's important. I always say, if you look at your calendar throughout the day, especially salespeople, salespeople like to act like they're busy. But the only thing like, you know, that makes a salesperson productive is how belly to belly they are with people talking. Yeah. You know that. It's 70, 80, 90% is the most important thing is talking to people. Yeah. Other shit, account management, doing the calls, yeah. Zoom calls, whatever, alerting. Yeah. That's like the other 10, 20%. Yeah, or even the part of like the actual sales experience is maybe 80% about who, who are you as a person versus the product perhaps, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying in general, what's your daily interaction rate with a prospect? Yeah. Whether, you know, they've already bought and you're and servicing them right now. And consistently. Not, right, right, yeah. right, right. Every yeah. single day, yeah. right? Predictable and consistent every single day. Majority of people don't have that, number one. Number two, if you go look at a salesperson calendar, here's the scariest thing. And I think anybody in business is when you see openings, and this is what happens in an opening. So say somebody has an appointment at 11, and then you see a whole lot of white space, and then you, they have another appointment at 3, 3 p.m. So they have a four-hour opening throughout their day, and here's what happens if you're new inside a business. That four-hour opening, when you don't know what the heck's happening, you got a lot of time to think. When you have time to think, you will have time to doubt. When you have time to doubt, enough doubt, you'll quit your business. And this is how a lot of people quit sales, because when you go back to thinking, Think of what thinking does. If I have a sales guy thinking about his business and he just got into sales, he's going to think his way out of his business because nobody was programmed to encourage somebody to make a million dollars a year inside of sales. Yeah. The only people that quit have time to think. And when you think more, you doubt more. When you doubt more, you end up quitting. It's just a compound of doubt yeah. is what ends up people quitting. The people that never quit are the people that have no time to think about their business. Yeah. You know? So a lot of people, they're like, oh, you know, I'm quitting sales. Well, shit, you had too much time to think about it. Yeah. Somebody else is not even thinking about that. You start thinking about your business, you'll doubt your business. Yeah. From the age of one to 18 years old, nobody is saying you could be a multimillionaire. So the moment you start thinking, you go back into your subconscious the way you were programmed from when you were a kid. If you go back to your programming from when you were a kid, you'll go back to the voice that said, hey, do get a sol solid and steady job. Yeah. You're not going back to an encouraging voice inside of your yeah. head. 
So I give those patterns might have been from the from back in the day. Yeah, and they're all negative patterns. They're not positive, habitual. Nobody has programmed us, and it's not negative. It's just that they've taken our parents taken in their patterns from their grandparents. You know, so they're just. It's not. I can see majority of patterns are not. uh, It's not like a positive pattern. The world is not a positive pattern. People aren't going to go up there and say, "Hey, you could become a millionaire." Yeah. Right. So yeah, uh, stay around the campfire is another thing. Like stay around people that are thinking always the same. It's the most important thing. Like I see when somebody's about to quit, they haven't joined three calls, four calls. I'm like, you're go- going from the campfire. You take another, you know, three calls off or three days off. You walked walk long enough inside of the woods. You come back because you went to go take a puss, piss a mile away. You're never fucking coming back. Yeah, you lost the gone. fight. You're gone. You're gone. You, lost you. Yeah. You, you don't even believe in the business anymore. Yeah. You don't believe you, the business can do it. And you don't believe you, you can start do asking it. a question. Did the bear shit in the wood? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and I think a cool thing too, and then, and maybe speak on it in the agency is like, you know, when, when sales, when salespeople, let's call it a game, they set up their game for their X amount of period, you know, with the agency, I would imagine as well that like your agency looks into how can they win that game and the support that they can give them and and maybe speak on that. Uh, in, in what sense? Sorry, say it again. So let's say if an agent or let's speak about a salesperson and, and they set out a game that they want to create for themselves and they want to make X amount or they want to uh, close X amount in, in, in whatever. How do you approach it that you look at what they've set up, call it their game or business plan, and you do you put a microscope on them and say, listen, that's going in the wrong direction? Or how do you approach that? I mean, the first thing I look at is their goals and their work ethic aligned to the goals. So if somebody's saying, you know, they want to make, I don't know, $50,000 every single month or $30,000 yeah. every single month or $20,000 every single month. And I look at their work ethic. So I say, okay, how many hours do you want to work a week? Well, I'm going to work 40, 50 hours a week. Well, it's probably not going to happen. It could happen yeah. and it will happen, but probably not in the beginning. And then you talk about time condensing as well. Yeah. So I say there's either one or two things. When you look at a goal and work ethic, I said, you're probably not going to hit it. So what do you want to do? You want to up the work ethic or do you want to drop the goal? Yeah. Because I want to get realistic because here's what happens with goals. The majority of people that settle out of a game plan and say, I want to make X, Y, Z towards the end of the year. I want to make $240,000 at the end of the year because that's $20,000 a month times 12. I want to make $240,000 at the end of the year. Cool. Okay, wicked. You want to make $240,000 at the end of the year. How much do you want to work every single week? Well, I want to make 50 hours a week. Well, it's probably not going to happen because that's the average full-time person. And in sales, you got to go above and beyond. You got to send out some cards. You got to work on your business at nighttime. You got to think of these thoughts. You're even working when you're sleeping in the beginning stages for the six months to a year. So let me just give you the reality. I tell people, either you do one or two things. You shorten the goal or you heighten the work ethic. So I'll ask a salesperson because I want to give somebody the reality. And the reason being is because I want the person to hit their goal. So maybe you're not going to hit 20,000 a month, but maybe let's make it 13,000 a month. Why is it important? Because if I know, here's why people don't hit their goals. Majority of people don't hit their goals because their brain and their heart don't trust what they put on a piece of paper. And what that means is if somebody says, I want to make $100,000 this year and they don't hit it this year, the next year they write something down on a piece of paper, brain and the heart stops trusting it. Logic and emotion stops trusting what you put on a piece of paper. And then I start telling people, I'm like, dude, why are you shooting for 100? Maybe write down 7,000. Let your brain see that you can hit 7,000. So then when your brain and your emotions, this thing starts to trust what you put on a piece of paper, the next time you put 15,000, it's going to work in synchronicity to 15,000. Majority of people are just saying like nowadays, because it's cool, either the six figure thing, I want to make a hundred thousand. It's a cool number. Or now the new one is like, oh, I want to make seven figures. I want to make a million dollars. Do you know what fucking a million dollars is at the end of the year? Like, I think people just pluck out this number. Yeah. Like a million dollars. It's not easy to make a million dollars. That's 
about $80,000 a month, roughly. So I'm actually, what I'm hearing, and this is really cool, you're actually saying, let's let's look at a goal and achieve so that that signal to the brain is actually saying, you got there, now, boom, right, incremental. Is that where you're going? Yeah, you got yeah. two things that are firing off to work. You got logic and you got emotion. Both of them yeah. drive the business. This one's going to say, doesn't seem real anymore. This one's the work ethic thing. This one's like the passion, the enthusiasm, the consistency. If both of these things aren't working, my business, I'm not going to hit the next goal. Wow. So when I, when I looked at my goals, I said, shit, why don't I have the same energy till when I did when I was a sales rep? Because when I was a sales rep, I was hitting attainable goals. I said, okay, today I'm going to do a thousand bucks. Yeah. And I hit a thousand bucks in commissions. Oh shit. Maybe tomorrow I'm going to do $1,200. So I just took in kind of a Kaizen approach. It's like, you know, the Japanese approach, small incremental improvements every single day. That was my approach into sales. But then majority of people hit this target. So they put this target at the end of the year when they start their job. And they never even put a daily target. They never even put like, okay, what's the daily number on that? Did you cross it off when you hit the daily number? Most people don't reverse engineer even the daily number. Yeah. So maybe the target's not that big and you could hit it, but what's the daily number? Have you wrote it down? So when your brain hits it, you cross it off. So you know you can hit the daily and just start focusing on beating yesterday's number. Don't even focus at the end of the month Yeah. or don't even focus at the end of the year. I always say this in business. If you take care of the day, the month takes care of you. So majority of people... Uh, you know, if you, if you work on weekend commissions or you work on month-end commissions where you got to get a certain bonus or you got to get a commission check and they try to scramble towards the end of the month to get a bonus or a commission, I say, it's because you didn't take care of the beginning of the month. If you take care of the beginning of the month, towards the end of the month, it's easy. And nobody likes, every customer knows when you hit them up and say, hey, you ready to join or are you ready to buy? It sounds like you're ready to sell somebody yeah. because you didn't take care of the beginning of the month. And I and what I love, because, dude, there are nuggets. You're throwing nuggets everywhere. But that piece about reverse engineering as well. So the daily. What's, 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 yeah, and what's the outcome? Work backwards what it looks like to get there and versus always looking, I'll get there. And then before you know it, your time is spending on how uh -huh. will I get there versus that reverse. So speak uh -huh. on that because I, I love that part. Yeah, it's just that, uh, okay, here's the deal. If you keep a daily tab on yourself... Yeah. Again, you're not walking too far away from the campfire. Because if you don't keep that daily tab, that 233 bucks a day, let's just say yeah. $233. How have I brought that in today? Did I get a customer? Did I prospect somebody in today? If you don't keep that daily tab, five, six days go by, and then that goes into a downward spiral of momentum. Think of it. It's, it's the same way. I tell people if they get into business or sales, don't take a day off. Yeah. And then people look at me like I'm crazy. I mean, even if your company requires you to work five days, work seven. Yeah. And I don't mean like on a Sunday, still go to your grandparents, still love your family. Yeah. I still mean work your business for 15 minutes that day. Yeah. If you can work your business for 15 minutes, don't stop the habit. Because when you stop the habit and you go on way too far, three days, four days, five days, yeah. dude, you're, you're walking out anymore. Like you got to get, yeah. it's harder to jump back in business and jump out of business like Monday to Friday and then jump out of business Saturday, Sunday, and then get back on Monday. Yeah. That's a hard game to play Yeah. instead of just staying in business. Yeah. So it's harder to get in and out of business when people quit one job, they get into another job. They quit one sales job, they get into another job. They quit one firm and they get into another firm. That game is hard than just sticking it right through. And, and this is so cool because when this makes me come back to your earlier point, because if you're condensing time, the things that you're doing then in what, let's say five days, you're now maybe doing it three and a half because you're putting the microscope on it and the pressure on that. Right. And then those habits will then carry over to condensing what you think, let's say I need to work eight hours on, on Saturday, Sunday, not happening, no chance. Right, right. Now, if you're condensing, like you're saying your 15 minutes or your half hours or your two hour, even a two hour buck, what's 10 to 12 on a Saturday? That's amazing time to, to be consistent 
persistent and carry on and yeah. go above and beyond. And like you said, get to that those end goals. Yeah. You know what's crazy, dude, is majority of people don't know how much they can achieve because yeah. they don't compress it yeah. ever. Yeah. So they don't know how much they can achieve. And then you only figure that out when it's the last day of the fucking math test. And you're like, holy shit, I'm actually smart. Yeah. I should have just studied yeah. for seven weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I studied the last seven hours before my test. I had to pull an all-nighter and pop a freaking Adderall pill or some shit like that. Yeah. And you realize you're fucking smart, but you yeah. waited seven weeks to study. Yeah. Works the exact same thing inside of business. Yeah. Condense your goals and you'll realize, holy shit, I'm a human. I can do anything in the world. I was giving myself two weeks to hit this goal. It can be done. I just say, do it now. Like, why? why yeah. I, even when you have to follow up with somebody and says, oh, well, touch base with them next week. Call them right now. Who knows? Like, yeah. just call the person right now. Stop letting time come in between. Or make it too perfect or make it that I have to have these structures. Just make that call. Most successful yeah. people, like, they they uh, they uh take time always out of the equation, I think, in things. You know, it's it's like time will never heal anything because when you, again, when you put back, even if it's, it goes back to my sales brain. I say, if I give a prospect too much time to think about it, they're going to sell themselves out of it. Oh yeah, call me back in three weeks. First of all, in from now in three weeks, they probably forgot about it because yeah. they have life in between. You're thinking about them. They're not thinking about you. They got kids. Yeah. They got life. And you're ready to follow back with them, up with them and close a deal. And they're thinking about life. And a bunch of other shit came on their plate. Yeah. Or maybe even more competitors came on their plate. So to me, I say the more time I give somebody, the more time they have to sell themselves out of it because of a subconscious thought of maybe they don't need it. They're going to go back to logic and reasoning and bills and expenses and all this bullshit. So... I just look at life as a sales game because I've been in sales since I was young. I say, don't give yourself so much time, Dan, to think. Condense your time. And then uh, everything you do from that is a bonus. Like if I got an extra five hours throughout the day, now it's like, now what would I like to do? Yeah. You know, shit, this is what I would like to do right yeah. now. I condense my morning. Now I'd like to do this. And it comes back to that pressure of, you know, the the diamond theory of, of, of pressure craze diamond. You're You're doing that in the beginning stages. To then naturally down the down the years down the road, the more time that you create for yourself is the result, and right. that's the beauty of it too. You know, it's yeah. cool. It's cool that you said this. I'll tell you something. I just said this. I think it was like last week we were in Vegas, and I told them I said, you know, the, there's going to be a season inside of your life where you got to say just fucking yes to everything, and you might not even know why. Like you're going to be working your ass off saying yes, 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 yes accept everybody in, get fucked over by a couple people. It Some people don't want to work. Overwhelmed, yeah. and, then, and then there's going to be a season and a chapter, maybe a year or two years, yeah. where you now have the leverage to tell people no. Yeah. But some people get way too picky and way too selective early on. So they try to be picky and selective with their hours. They try to be picky and selective with the people that they recruit or promote or affiliate to. They try to be picky and selective about a niche. I say, say yes to a lot of things. Maybe this shit doesn't make sense. Maybe you go into this event, it doesn't make sense. Just say yes to it. Just go. Yeah. Right, because there's going to be a point in your life where you eventually have some sort of balance, and you're able to say no to things because you have leverage. Yeah. So, like to me, I always look at my life like right now. It's maybe the chapter of saying yes, just do a lot, yeah. and maybe six months to a year down the road, I have the leverage, the brand, the credibility to say no to somebody or the freedom to say no to somebody. Yeah. I want to ask a little bit as well for the listeners that are listening right now. You know, when we talk about individual salespeople, and when we talk about let's say big brokerages that have many salespeople. You know, what are your approaches when you're speaking to someone that's an individual salesperson and when you're talking to bigger groups and sales teams and, and probably the, the 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 energy in the team or how they operate or how do you approach? So start, I guess, with the individual and then we'll talk about group. Okay, so I mean, the first the first individual I'm looking at... If I if I'm training, you're, you're saying if I'm training a salesperson, yeah, and or if you're looking, let's say where are their gaps, or I know we talked about work ethic and certain things of, of what your 
you know, your standards are and what the basis of what they're working out of. Um, how would you approach working with someone that say is an individual or let's say a solopreneur or someone that's in a group or a part of a brokerage and a team and, and is, and let's say you're talking to a group of sales team members. Personally, I think it's both the same. I treat yeah. them both the same because I think in every single, if I'm sitting down and there's a hundred salespeople in here, uh, every single person is still working for themselves. Like they still have their own agenda. They still have their own game. It's still, if anything, to be honest with you, it's a little bit more motivating. It's like, you know, there's a, now there's a competition board where you can look up and Sally's like the number one competitor and I'm like ninth on the leaderboard. Uh, and I always just tell salespeople, I'm like, you know, if working in a group, and the top people inside of the group scare you off. And that's like a little bit demotivating to look at the top people and you're scared to compare yourself Then maybe sales is right for you. And I tell salespeople this a lot. I say, you know, cause there's a lot of people that say, oh, you know, you shouldn't compare yourself to other people, blah, blah, blah. But I think in sales, I think comparison to people at the top is great. If you're comparing to people at the bottom, then you're fucked because yeah. there's a lot of people like comparison is only bad when you're doing it to say, oh, you know, I made 10,000 this month. I'm doing great. Yeah. But compared to who? Yeah. Well, my friends that went to college, they're only making yeah. 4,000 this month. Oh, you're comparing below. Yeah. Yeah. It's like playing tennis against a five-year-old versus yeah, Ron yeah. Federer. What are you comparing to? Yeah. Like, you know, what are you, what are you comparing your stats to? So I say comparing is a great thing. I think you should always be comparing yourself to people above you. Yeah. It should push you to work your freaking ass off. It should push you to be the best. And it just translates. A lot of people are soft right now, but back then in, in, in sports, you look up, you want to be the best. Yeah. So what happens? Same thing inside of business. You, you're now in a culture where you have the ability to be the best. Yeah. Simultaneously, while collaborating with individuals, you got more minds to collaborate with people. I think just sales and business is the perfect balance between, hey, I'll kick your ass, but I also love you on the way. Yeah. And speaking of that, because I was going to say that a culture too, you know, how, how do you then... Inf or lift up that culture and promote positive culture to embrace exactly what you're saying is to embrace the actual uh, camaraderie and pressure of competing and performing to it. essentially what I hear too is you bring the best out of that person and then naturally you bring the best out of your buddy that's on that team on the brokerage whatever that looks like or, or wherever you are listen I think competition ethics are a perfect balance when you compete yeah. with somebody you need to have ethics with competition meaning like you know you want to win against everybody inside of the business, but you also have to be ethical about it. Meaning like some people take competition way too far and then they cross lines. They take a lead from somebody else. They steal this from yeah. this person, blah, blah. I think you need competition with like some sort of kindness and loving on the way. So it's like you compete till Friday and then Saturday night, you guys can go for freaking dinner. And I think that's how every great athlete runs their business. Yeah. Like I'm not going to sit down with an athlete at a press conference and say, yeah, you know, I think, you know, Connor's going to take me today. No, I'm going to compete right until the fight is done and then they hug it out after the fight. Yeah. Uh, and I think it can also shift from when you're talking about career and, and amazing outcomes that, let's say, salespeople create. What could that transform into later? Their mission in life. And how can they be awesome at that in that mission and giving back whatever that looks like? Right, of course. Yeah. And you know what? That's It's nice that you said that because some people, you know, sales might not be the do all end all for some people. And that's where people get it twisted because some people are like, well, I don't want to do this for, no, no. If you could do really well, you can make a lot of money. And if you make a lot of money, it can fund your passion project that you wanted to do when you're older. Like sales has given people freedom to do what they want to do. Like sales has given me the freedom. If I'm a good salesperson, I can now spend a few hours with you guys in chit chat Yeah, because I, you know, I've, I've been able to produce a lot more money in an hour than majority of people produce or a lot more money in a year and, and sales and business 
when you work hard in the beginning, it's exponential. It's like, it starts like this, like a graph and then boom, it skyrockets up and then you can never catch up to it. So to me, what I tell people when they're getting into a business and they're not the most passionate about it, we'll use it and beat it up to fund one thing that you might be passionate about five, 10 years down the road because maybe nobody's funding your piano career. Maybe nobody's funding your whatever charity that you want to open up or you can fund it yourself. And on on that point, you know, people that... The intention I hear this often too is I want to I want to give and I want to support, but the opportunity that doing amazing at sales to be able to bring that passion and drive into that world can be tenfold versus tenfold yeah, versus you trying to get your affairs whore at home, but you're trying to be like I want to give I want to give yeah yeah what well, you have to give yeah 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 take care of your for, first yourself course, and inside in your house etc yeah so I think that uh, that ties together so great. Yeah, I think uh, I think you know I think salespeople have the ability to uh, you know give back you know their time their freedom and another thing is you know when you're in a sales environment you have the ability whether you're in real estate sales car sales insurance sales majority of sales environments give you the ability to grow which means you can get to the top of a corporation or a company or a firm or a brokerage and then you can have people you can have people underneath you and people create time and leverage so the person at the top of the brokerage has a lot more time because when Sally sells something the person at the brokerage at the top gets paid so in my head i say money doesn't drive the business people drive the business yeah like money is addicting actually it's a it's sometimes a fact where some people that don't have the envision of having people around them it could be dangerous why because when you make $25,000 as a loan sales rep now you want to make 35,000 but that requires a lot more time because you're still trading yeah. your time in for money. Yeah. The person that says, wait, I only got 24 hours in a day. Yeah. But if I were to have two people on my team, now I got 48 hours in a day. Yeah. Right? If I were to have another, now I got 72 hours in a day. And now I don't have 24 hours. Now I created myself something called time. Yeah. So when you can think of your business, people first. Okay, I know I want to make $10,000 a month. But where do I really want to be in the next five years? I want to have people. Because when I have people, people give me time. I want to have five people. Leverage. Yeah, yeah. I need people. People create leverage. I get back my time inside of my life. That's what I want to buy back. The smartest and the richest people in the world, they're not thinking about how do I sell? They're not thinking transactionally. They're thinking, okay, right now it might be a little bit transactional, but I'm only doing this. So at one point, I could pay somebody to do that. I can hire a salesperson to do this. I can acquire a skill where I can train five salespeople to do that. So when they sell, I get paid and I buy back yeah. my time. That's the, that's the, the number one goal. Yeah. commissions, ranks, money. That's not how you build your business. People build your business. You build people, people build your business. You grow people, people grow your business. Yeah. That's right. right. So Amazing. anyways, I love it. Good. Yeah. Good. It's so conversation. Cool. Amazing. Daniel, uh, where can people, where can the audience find you? Yeah. I mean, the easiest thing, I mean, where everything is hosted, you guys can go to my Instagram. It's very simple at Daniel G. I got a link in the bio. Um, and you know, I go live a lot. My Instagram is basically an open platform. It's an open sales training platform. I think I give more value on my Instagram than people give inside of their program. So if you never want to buy shit from me, you can stick on my Instagram for the remainder of your life and you can use it as a platform. You guys can come and ask me questions. I go live every single day unless I'm flying. So you guys can come on my Instagram. If you guys have questions, any sales industry you guys are in direct sales, B2B sales, B2C sales, real estate sales, insurance sales, door to door sales. Uh, I'll try to answer you guys' questions. I bring people on my platforms. But anyways, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Dude, amazing. Thank so you, 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 you got a trailer. People can just be in the back and, and go for the ride. That's it, man. I love That's it. it. Amazing. Thanks for watching, everyone. This was What Would It Cost Florida. Until the next one.